Well, for our reading this evening, we're turning firstly to Psalms, Psalm 103. And then if you've been with us the last uh, Sunday or two, you know we'll then be turning to uh, Isaiah, uh, the end of chapter 8 into chapter 9, as we continue to consider that great promise uh, given to us there of the coming of the Lord Jesus and who he is and of his name. So we'll be in Isaiah in a little moment. But first, let's read Psalm 103. It says this, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. And then we turn to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22. We read again at uh, verse 7 of chapter 9. Then they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. Amen. As we come to God's word, let's pray. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. And Father, we thank you for your eternal word and we humbly pray that you would be pleased to encourage us in it uh, this evening for our encouragement and for our strengthening and for us to uh, live the way you would have us to rightly in response to the Lord Jesus. In his name, amen. Now when most babies are born, they're given one name, aren't they? It would be rather strange or even quite confusing if uh, you had a new niece or a nephew or a grandchild or a friend of yours had had a child and they had three different names. You'd think, well, that's a bit strange. Uh, What do I call this new child? Which one uh, is it? But as we're spending some time in Isaiah 9 and verse 6 over these messages, we're we're seeing that that there is a, a baby who is born and they're born with four names. That's the announcement. Uh, A child is born and a son is given and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. One name wasn't enough. It wasn't sufficient uh, to describe this uniquely special child. And that's because uh, these names tell us who this baby is and what he will do. So imagine if you saw the the birth certificate of of the newest member of your family or, or, or a friend and a little baby is born and on the birth certificate the name said brilliant musician, excellent athlete and future manager of their own company. Again that would be rather odd wouldn't it because birth announcements they don't list accomplishments and that's because there are no accomplishments to list are there? All a newborn baby can do well is cry and blink and dribble and make interesting smells. But this child who is born, this baby in Isaiah 9 verse 6, is different to any other child who has ever been born. And we've, we've seen already, haven't we, that this baby is speaking of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the wonderful counsellor. He is the supernatural source of extraordinary wisdom. He is mighty God. He is the divinely strong and powerful one. And now this evening, as we come to this third name, we see that he is the everlasting father, which tells us another wonderful aspect of who this Jesus is. And I want us to to see two truths again this evening that we're encouraged by in this third wonderful name of Jesus. And the first is that Jesus is everlasting. Jesus is everlasting. It's all in the name there, isn't it? You can see where I get that, that truth from, can't you? Isaiah says, this child will be called everlasting father. Jesus is everlasting. Now that is a good bit easier to say than it is to understand. That's because you and I are finite human beings, aren't we? We are limited by time. Our whole lives are run and limited by time. We've got 60 seconds in a minute and then 60 minutes in an hour and 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. And then we've got 12 months in a year, and on it goes. We have the four seasons of the year, and we have diaries, and we have calendars to map out 
our time for next year and maybe even the year after as we come towards the end of this year. Ultimately, our lives, they have a start and they have an end. There is birth and there is death. We cannot comprehend what life outside of time looks like. We are finite human beings who live in a finite world. But that is not so with this child who is born. With this son who has been given. Because this child is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God. Before he was born as a baby in Bethlehem, the son of God existed eternally. As we thought about this morning, Jesus is God. And if so, then he must be eternal. He must be everlasting. He always has been and he always will be. Jesus is everlasting. He's fully God. He has eternally been so. Along with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, is eternal. He's the one who speaks in Revelation 1 verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He's the same one who in that glorious vision that John receives on the island of Patmos only a few verses later, again in Revelation 1, says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is everlasting. He is the first and he is the last. There is no existence outside of him. There can be nothing outside of him. He is the beginning and the end and everything in between. Indeed, we can say that he's the originator of eternity. He is the source of eternity. He never began to exist. He will never cease to exist. Before he made the universe, there was no physical matter, uh, but God is spirit and he created all things, as the opening verses of Genesis 1 and John 1 tell us. And what's so hard for us to get our heads around is that when there was no physical matter, like the seats we're sitting on, there was no space. And there was no time. But before this universe was spoken into existence, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always existed. Without beginning, and without end, without being influenced by time. Because it was only when the universe began that time began. And so as the Son of God came and took on flesh at that first Christmas in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, in him we have one who is everlasting. It's mind-stretching truth, but it comes with life-changing consequences. Because here's the staggering thing. We are here because God has made us. And in the words of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3 and verse 11, he's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. God created us for eternity. Now, don't, dis- don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying... That we as human beings, we existed before we were born. But from the first moment that the Lord started forming us in our mother's womb, he had set eternity in our hearts. He made you and he made me and every single person for eternity. There is life beyond the grave. Death is not the end. You and I, we were made for eternity. And Jesus Christ came into this very world 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem to reveal eternity to us. Creation reveals something to us, doesn't it, of, of the good and perfect design of the powerful and wise creator. 
The law of God tells us something of the holiness of God and the justice of God. But the most ultimate revelation of God is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Who Hebrews 1 verses 2 and 3 tell us that he made the universe and that the Son is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful words. If you want to know who God is and what he's like, then look at Jesus. Look at Jesus Christ, the one who came into this world fully God and yet now also fully man. As one writer says, when Jesus came, he wedded dust and deity, time and eternity into one. The eternal word was made human flesh and that union will last forever. The Lord Jesus Christ proves to us the reality of the eternal. He is the eternal son of God, the everlasting word. And he moves in the world of time as you read through the gospels. We see how he lived as no man ever has lived. Everyone saw the uniqueness of this man. Many didn't like what they saw, but they couldn't deny that he was different. And that's because God was there among them. The eternal was here. For in sending his son to earth, God caused eternity to invade time. He invaded time from eternity. And everything he said and did had an eternal quality to them. The disciples recognized this in Jesus. When we read at the end of John chapter 6 of many disciples, they were deserting Jesus. And he asks the 12 if they're wanting to leave him too. And though they've certainly not got everything figured out yet, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus spoke as nobody else ever had or ever has since. He lived as nobody else ever had or has ever lived since. Every deed, every action had in them the quality of the eternal. This was God on earth bringing and living out eternal truths before their very eyes. Jesus is everlasting. And you and I have been made in the image of God and, and we've been given a soul that will not cease to exist. Even after we die because God has made us for the eternal. For eternity. There's more to this life than just the physical. And what we can see. And in Jesus Christ we see eternity. Revealed, for he is himself, eternal life. But how do you and I get to experience the eternal? We know that we're finite human beings. We might know that all too well from the, the creaking joints and the frail human frames that we know. And we know that we won't go on in this world forever. And that's ultimately because of sin. The presence of sin in the world ever since the fall of humanity means that every single aspect of your existence will not last. Unless we can somehow deal with this destructive thing called sin. While there is sin, we can never know eternal life. And so that is why Jesus came. This child was born and this son was given to reveal eternity to us by dying on a cross and rising again that we might know eternal life in him. That's what one of the better known verses in the Bible says. For God so loved the world. And he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
You and I will not automatically fall into eternal life when we die. It's one of the greatest tragedies of any person who thinks that when they die, it will mean some kind of heaven or paradise just waiting for them, even though they never gave Jesus Christ much thought at all while on this earth, let alone trusted in him. Friends, none of us are deserving of heaven. Indeed, none of us are able to get to heaven left to ourselves because none of us are able to get over the greatest obstacle that keeps us from experiencing eternal life. Sin. You and I are sinners. We have a sinful nature. It's simply who we are, no matter how much we try and deny it. And so naturally, we're strangers to the eternal. And yet, you and I, we were made in the image of God. And as I mentioned earlier, that means that God has set eternity in our hearts. Which means that deep down, maybe really deep down for some of you, we all yearn for something more. All of us hunger for eternity in our hearts. That's what C.S. Lewis put so well when he wrote in one of his books, Mere Christianity. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. I was made for another world. You and I were made for more. There is another world which coming to know through the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way the deepest longings of your heart can be satisfied. But until or unless we do something about our sin, we will perish. We will not share in the eternal life that Jesus offers. But that is why Jesus came. That is why we have Christmas. That we might know eternal life. And at the cross... Time and eternity meet in the most stunning way as the Lamb who was slain before the creation of the world, as we read in Revelation, came into this world and took the sins of the world upon himself. Jesus is everlasting and it had been determined in eternity past by our triune God that this would be how the greatest problem of our sins would be dealt with. He would come and he would die and he would rise that we might know our sins forgiven and the life that we were made for. Eternal life with God from this day forward and forever. Again, one writer puts it so well when he says, when Jesus Christ was born at Bethlehem, time and eternity met in a person. When he died at Calvary, time and eternity met in a price. And that price, paid for sin, met the demands of God's holy law, And open the way for sinners to be forgiven and to share in eternity. Friends, Jesus Christ has come. He has broken into time from eternity. And only he is able to take away our sins once and for all by his own blood. So obtaining eternal redemption as we read in Hebrews 9. If you will come and trust in Jesus Christ this evening. In his death on a cross and his resurrection from the dead. Then you will know freedom. Freedom from the power and the penalty of sin. And one day, you will know freedom from the presence of sin in the new heavens and the new earth. And that's because Jesus says, speaking to his followers in John chapter 10 and verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Friends, Jesus is everlasting and he gives us eternal life. I wonder, have you received that gift today? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself? Do you recognize that deep down you have that need in your own heart for something more, that you were made for more than this world? And that the only way that need can be met is through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I encourage you 
to do that this evening, friend, if you haven't already. Jesus Christ is everlasting. And Christian, you can find encouragement in this. Because it tells us that, that Jesus is Lord over all. He's the Lord who created time. He rules over time. He uses it for his own purposes. And the eternal God can act in time because he's the Lord of it. And he has acted in time in the most definitive of ways in saving your soul. What a firm foundation that is to live your life on this week. Whatever it may hold as you go into school tomorrow and you sit in that first lesson of the day, you go knowing that you know the Lord of time. As you go into work and you sit at your desk in the office or you take your break in the staff room later in the day, you go knowing that you know the Lord of time. As you go to that hospital appointment or that doctor's checkup or as you wait for those test results, you go knowing that you know the Lord of time. Whatever you do and wherever you go this week, you go knowing that you know the Lord of time who has entered time and space, that you might know him for all eternity, Jesus Christ, who is everlasting. Isn't that comforting? The eternal Son of God, the Lord of time is with you forever because he's given you eternal life. Jesus is everlasting. That's the first encouraging truth for us this evening. But there's another truth that I want you to take with you into this week to encourage you with tonight. And it's very simply this. Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you. And again, this is all in his name. Isaiah says there in verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. That's what we're thinking on here. And Isaiah chooses to describe the coming Lord Jesus as an everlasting Father. Now, this might be, at first, maybe a little bit confusing to us. Isn't it a little bit of an unusual thing to say of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that he is an everlasting Father? Well, let's be clear on what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that there is a merging in some way of God the Father and God the Son. There's no blending of the Godhead here. There is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they are all distinct persons of the Trinity. So there's no confusion here of of the Father and the Son, Isaiah wasn't getting a bit muddled up in his writing. No, the encouraging truth that we take from this child who would be born in Bethlehem is that the Son is the everlasting Father in the sense that he cares for his people as a father cares for his children. So that is why I simply say Jesus cares for you. Because that is what this aspect of his name is getting at. Yes, we have God the Father, who is a Father to us. But because Father, Son, and Spirit are co-equal, they're co-eternal, the attributes of God, they equally apply to each. So this third name of Isaiah 9, verse 6, is encouraging us in the truth that the Lord Jesus is the one who will everlastingly care for you. What a comfort. He will everlastingly care for you. He is an everlasting Father, such an encouragement for us this evening, because we've already considered in the, the last couple of messages, haven't we, the, the incredible blessing it is to know the Lord Jesus as the wonderful counselor, the one who is the wisdom of God. 
He directs us and he comforts us and he guides us into all truth. And it is equally a blessing, as we thought this morning, to know that he is the mighty God who is all-powerful. He has conquered the greatest enemy of death itself. He has the power to one day remove all sorrow. These are wonderful realities, and we rejoice in them. And yet, as far as the picture of a counselor uh, or a mighty king go, on a human level anyway, if you think about those people uh, on a human level, they're not the people that we would be especially close to, are, are they? Counselors are professionals who, by necessity, they're, they're one step removed from, from a situation that they're counseling. Likewise, there's always distance between us and the king, unless you happen to be related to one, in which case, let me know later. But the Lord Jesus is not distanced and detached from us. He is a counsellor, and he is a king who has drawn near, and to whom we can draw near, but that is brought home to us in this third name of him being an everlasting father. This third name that Isaiah uses to describe this coming child to be born is one where there's a real level of intimacy. There is a closeness, isn't there? In the truth that Jesus Christ is like a father to us. This name communicates to us that Jesus tenderly and lovingly cares for us, his children. He knows the needs and the details of all of our circumstances. Jesus cares for you. He has, if you like, a paternal disposition. He is not God the Father. He is God the Son. And yet here he is described as being like a father to us. Now that could at first not be something that thrills you if you didn't have the best of relationships with your own earthly father. But Jesus is not like any human father. That, that said, we know that the best caring and loving human father they do the, the utmost that they can and they sense the sadness of their child and, and they're moved by it and they're touched by it and they draw their children near to them, don't they? They say, come and give me a kutch and, and come near for comfort and come near uh, for that sense of being safe. There is a loving embrace. And a human father can do the best that they can. And there are many good fathers in the world and maybe you are or you were privileged to, to have that, to know a caring father. But even the best dad out there in all the world is limited. Their care will end one day. But the loving care of Jesus Christ never ends. He draws his people close to himself and he comforts them and he draws us into a loving embrace. In him we find refuge and shelter from the storm. Only in him can we say that we are truly secure for all eternity. Jesus Christ has a deep, loving concern for you dear christian he loves you with an everlasting love this thought is like what we read earlier in psalm 103 we read there in verse 13 as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him our god has compassion on us if we have come and put our faith fully in him then we can say for certain Jesus cares for me. Jesus cares for you. If you are believing in him, no matter how weak that faith might feel, and it can and often does feel weak, and it doesn't matter, because we're encouraged by God's word this evening, that you are loved, you are cared for deeply by Jesus Christ. 
The fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is an everlasting Father helps us to, to go a bit deeper and to appreciate something of the spirit or, or the attitude of this child who would be born, of this son so graciously given. He, he comes into this world because he cares for our souls. He comes into this world because he loves us so much. He comes into this world because he is concerned for our eternal destiny. He humbles himself and he takes on flesh and lives in relative obscurity in Nazareth for the best part of 30 years, living a completely obedient life and at every moment, never once falling short of the standard of perfection. And in spite of that perfection, he's sentenced to death on a cruel Roman cross and dies in the place of sinners just like us. And you know a big part of what motivated him? Not the only thing, but certainly one of the things that motivated Christ as he does all this is his loving concern for those who are his. Jesus cares for you. Isn't that such a comfort? Doesn't that encourage your soul, Christian? Doesn't it completely change the outlook of this week for you to know that Jesus cares for you? He really does. He knows what you are going through. He knows what is causing you great stress and strain this evening. He knows what has disappointed you recently. He knows the worries. He knows the concerns that you have. He knows those heavy burdens that you are carrying upon your shoulders. He knows about all of it. And he cares. He cares deeply for you. And he has proved how much he cares by coming into this world in the first place. At the first Christmas. And going on to the cross. That your greatest problem of your sin. That separates you from God. Might be dealt with. And that you might know. Eternal life. And his loving care. Every day of this life. And the one to come. He is as a father to you. Brothers and sisters. Isn't Jesus good? Don't you love him? Don't you praise him this Christmas. For coming into this world all those years ago. That you might know him as a loving father. Here there's great encouragement for you brothers and sisters this Christmas. Because here is a child who is also a father. One who is father-like in his love and in his care. One who is father-like in his goodness and his compassion. This is who he is. This is his character. This is what he is to his people. Jesus acts towards us as the best father that has ever existed, ever could. He is like a good father. He is more than that. He is like a perfect father. He is always there. He's never too busy. He's never preoccupied. He's never disinterested in the details and the goings-on of his children. He is both the provider and the protector. Yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus cares for you. He's an everlasting father to you. I wonder, will you draw near to him this evening and enjoy the loving embrace of a saviour who loved you and gave himself for you? Will you walk closely with him this week? Will you live your life reliant on his loving provision and protection? He'll never fail you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine, totally and unconditionally. And that is because, as Isaiah prophesied 700 years before, his coming into the world, he is an everlasting father. Jesus is everlasting. And he cares for you. And at Christmas, those truths, they, they hit home to us with newness. And they produce fresh hope as we trust in the constant loving care of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So you make sure this week, 
You make sure that you're looking to him, won't you? You do that. Don't take your eyes off him. Keep coming back to him. Because in him, this Christmas and always, you have one who is an everlasting father to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again this evening for the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you for him and for his everlasting love towards us. We praise you for his intimate care and concern for each of us. And we pray that we might each be so aware of his loving care to us this week and this Christmas and every day of our lives. Help us to keep looking to him and to trust in him this Christmas and always. In his name. Amen.